introverted noise. Hurry up, Daddy. And welcome back to another episode of the Pocket Protectors Podcast. I am your host, Jason Brown. You can find me on Twitter at BrownJason. And I am back with two of the smartest people on all of the internet. Not just Twitter, not just Vikings Twitter, the entire internet. And I'm going to start off with my man, the doctor, Eric Eager. How you doing? How you been? I'm doing okay. Uh... On Sunday, my parents visited. My dad is still like a diehard Vikings fan. It doesn't, so I watched the game with him. That was uh, interesting to say the least. Uh, and you know, I was trying to explain to him, you know, why why things were going the way they were going, uh, and he just was pretty frustrated. So uh, the league was really interesting, right? We're we're, we're talking about Drew Brees, Ben Roethlisberger. Uh, Sam Darnold, Cam Newton, all probably going to miss time. Um, and and so, interestingly, the Vikings quarterback situation got better this weekend relative to the league, uh, but still is irritating most of their fan base. So uh, you, you watched the, the game with, with your pops, who, you know, lifelong Vikings fan. Do you have any, uh, you know, PG quotes or, 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 or takeaways? Any, any, any good quotes from, uh, from pops that we can share? That won't get us banned from the air. No, you know he's 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 a you know sweet guy, but he you know he doesn't know football as well. You know, obviously, so you got to kind of teach him up on like here why why running on second down isn't a smart move or you we know score touchdowns running on second down. I'm not that, sure what you're true. talking that's about. True. We, but you we, teach, we score touchdowns. You got to teach process over results, I guess, which is hard <laughs> to do in real time. Um, and then also just like look, Aaron Rod, like. Look, Aaron Rodgers isn't actually that good. The first, you know, the scripted plays all did well, but look at how masterful Zimmer's, uh, you know, doing in terms of shutting them down in the second half. So, uh, you know, we we kept it. You know, neither one of us, you know, I think, you know, swore all that much. And, and frankly, uh, you know, I found it sort of amusing just because last week everybody said, "Oh, this is the blueprint for the Vikings to win." And the the hard part about running so much is, of course, when you when you get behind, that sort of goes out the window. Yeah, that's fair. We'll we'll probably talk about that a little bit more as this show rolls along. And uh, my man, Nick, how you doing? How you been? You you, you, you keeping busy over there? You finding time? You are writing articles, and I'm seeing things on Twitter. So you you're finding time for some things. How's it going, man? Yeah, finding time. Uh, today was a good day. We went down to Asbury Park, went down to the beach, uh, got some lunch, hung out, did like a family day, saw some friends. So it was a good time. So it was a beautiful day, like 75 degrees, not a cloud in the sky, right by, right on the ocean. So it was fun. Sounds like you're doing it right, man. Sounds like you're doing it right. Well, uh, that's enough of that. Obviously, the Vikings played a game, rivalry game. That game did not go the way that we would have liked it to go. So we got to talk about it. And uh, I think now we've had enough time from when the game happened to today. We can get these takes off, maybe a little bit less emotion 
than has been swirling around the uh, the Vikings blogosphere, Vikings Twitter. I've even seen people suggesting that Sean Mannion should start on the uh, the Twitter dot com. Shout out to Luke Braun for uh for for capturing all of that wonderful angst and pulling it together in an easily digestible form for all of us. Uh, but Eric, we got to break down this game, and uh, I'm going to start with you on this one. From your perspective, uh, what what should we be taking away from this game? Is the sky falling? Should we be should we be panicking? It's still a relatively small sample, but Kirk Cousins in all of the stats that I've seen about Kirk Cousins that reference PFF in any way, he is doing quite poorly. Be it. Big time throws, turnover worthy plays. Right, Somebody right. quoted something saying that his red zone performance since 2017 is the worst ever. And just everything seems bad about Kirk Cousins from what we've been reading this week. Is it really that bad? Well, no, it's never as bad as his worst performance and never as good as his best performance. But, you know, I will say so we do uh, a simulation of the season. And prior to the season, I had the Vikings with about 8.44 wins. Um, and they were handicapped in our in our realm as the most likely team to win the division and going into the year with I think it was like a little bit over thirty five percent. Now, after two weeks, they beat a Falcons team, but they were only four point favorites in that game. They were probably sixty, forty to win that game. And then losing to Green Bay in a game that they were underdogs and you know, we all predicted that they would lose, their wins projected as eight point three nine. So not much of a change. However, their probability of making the playoffs is 35%. Their probability of winning the division is 21%, which means, right, the issue is not so much that the Vi- you know, the Vikings split these two games. It's what ha- has happened in the rest of the NFC. You go over to the West, the 49ers are 2-0. and The Seattle Seahawks are 2-0. and uh, both, both of those teams beat AFC opponents, right? So uh, the NFC doing well there. Obviously, the Rams are 2-0 as well. So that entire division is a bunch of worthy teams. Dallas is 2-0, a team that we didn't even have handicapped to win the division. Philly's 1-1, but we we know that they're going to be around. Uh, you know, the NFC South, actually, with our guy Bridgewater uh, leading the Saints, is going to be a little dicey. But frankly, the thing about the Vikings starting out 1-1 is that relative to the rest of the NFC that's really running good, Detroit, for example, is undefeated, should be 2-0, is 1-0-1. It just set them behind the eight ball. And I think when I look at sort of what what were the question, the the answers learned in the game uh, against Green Bay, it's that the Vikings, if they're going to try to play this defense first, smash mouth football, they have very little room for error. Against the Falcons, they forced turnovers early. They had special teams plays early, and they were able to to literally run that game plan to a T. Against Green Bay, they got hit in the mouth a few times early, and, and that makes your quarterback a bigger factor in the game. It also shows how sort of unstable defense is. You give up three touchdowns in a quarter, none after. Um, you know the the problem with doing the game the 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 approach the Vikings have is it's it's not particularly stable and we saw that on Sunday. All right, so you know Nick, I'm going to come to you because you know Eric talked about the run game defense being you know less predictive. The thing that's supposed to be more predictive, more sticky, is the play of Kirk Cousins, and you have become somewhat of a de facto Kirk Cousins. Uh, I don't want to say apologist. That's not the right word. But you have been the one who, who maybe, as, as opinions swing too wildly in one direction or the other, you, you've you been kind of holding strong in that Kurt Cousins is 
average, slightly above average quarterback. That is what he is. He'll make some boneheaded plays here and there, but that is who he is. That's what he is. What are your thoughts on the quarterback position for the Vikings more specifically, Kirk Cousins and how he's playing in particular after these first two weeks of the season? And then I guess with those things in mind, what are your thoughts on the chosen game plan for the Vikings uh, that they've chosen that you know, sometimes is going to make things maybe a little bit more difficult for Kirk Cousins than uh, than we might like to see? Yeah, it's funny with Kirk because I was so against signing him back in, was it 2017, that offseason when we got him. And then I was pleasantly surprised with his play um, in, in 2018. I thought he played a lot better under pressure than I was expecting. Um, but there's really no defending uh, Kirk's performance last week. It was, um, you know, you sign someone like Kirk Cousins, pay him $84 million guaranteed over three years so that he will win you games. And, you know, if you could have just said, hey, we're going to get Dalvin Cook and we're going to get our defense and we're going to, we we want a game manager who won't lose his games. Well, with Kirk Cousins, you're not, you don't have a guy who's winning you games and you don't have a guy who's like keeping you from losing games. You have a guy who's actively losing you a game. And, and Kirk Cousins, uh, sometimes this analysis is like oversimplifying, but it, I don't think it's oversimplifying here to say Kirk Cousins lost the Vikings that game with his boneheaded decisions, his multiple turnovers through the air and on the ground. Um, and his just poor play, his inability to reach even 50% completion, his continued throwaways. So it was, it was bad. Um, but at the same time, you know, it was just one game. I think it's really easy to overreact this early in the season and, and say the sky is falling. You know, we, we had a terrible game and Kirk isn't the answer and then we're all going to die. And, um, I like to remember that last year, Kirk's worst game of the season, in my opinion, and in my opinion, an even worse game than than last week was week three in Buffalo. And it was sandwiched between two of the very best games of his career at Lambeau. We all remember that heroic comeback um, that should have been a comeback victory were it not for Danny Carlson. But, he, you know, he had multiple touchdown throws at the very end. Um, and then week four against L.A. against the Rams, um, he was he was dealing all over the field. So that's kind of who Kirk Cousins is. He's kind of a high variance quarterback. Um, and. Last week, he was trying to do too much and often with very bad results. So um, disappointing at the same time. Sample size isn't big enough for me to say, hey, this is this, this is it. Season's over and, and it's all Kirk's fault. Though I will say last week was definitely Kirk's fault. <laughs> yeah, Nick. So uh, I'm actually going to go to Eric on the point that you just made there where you, where you referred to Kirk as a uh, as a high variance quarterback because – one of the things I know we talked about a lot over the offseason as it pertained to Kirk Cousins was that we weren't getting enough of the the highs to justify uh you know the playing style and, and the the ultra conservative play. So kind of Eric, I guess building on that point that the Knicks making about Kirk Cousins being a high variance quarterback, um, throughout his career, is that what we've we've seen? Or is this what we've seen, I guess, to to start the season, or really last week in particular? It's really just one game. Um, is that an anomaly and should we expect things to flatten out? to a place that is maybe not as exciting as we might like to see from quarterbacks we typically refer to as high variance, but less damaging to the team overall? You know, that I that's like a good question, right? Because last season, probably right after he started making mistakes, you know, he did limit his negatively graded throws. He limited his turnover-worthy plays. He became very contained in who he was. Um, and I, I don't know if that's going to be the case this year, but that could very well be the situation. And, and I think it would be a, a, a I, I don't think it would be a good thing for the Vikings. Cause I do think he offers, um, 
you know, basically, you know, this, this, this strong arm that can get the ball down the field of the receivers, uh, you know, very, you know, in a, in a, in a way that we haven't seen. I mean, he, you know, he certainly offers that over a guy like Bridgewater over a guy like Keenum. And I think the Vikings need to exploit that. What they do need is basically this idea uh, of, you know, they need to take the good with the bad. And, and ultimately like this Sunday is going to be part of the bad, um, but I don't think it should limit off the good. And, and to, to Nick's point about, you know, the season and, and sort of like, I, I painted a very bleak picture given the rest of the NFC. But if you look here, you know, Raiders are eight, eight, eight and a half point favorites this week at home. They go to face a Chicago team that is not particularly good, had to squeak out a game in Denver. Then they go to the Giants, who will be starting a rookie quarterback and whose defense is one of the worst in the NFL. I mean, there's a clear path to four and one here for them. Um, and then, you know, they have the Eagles at home, but the Eagles are sort of banged up. They're, you know, they're a very good team, but Vikings have pretty good home field advantage. Then they go to Detroit and then they have a game against the Washingtons at home before they, they start their huge stretch. So, I mean, there's, there's a, there's a universe where we can see them as something like seven and one or six and two or something before they really hit this stretch. The issue is they need, they need Kirk to do the things that Kirk does well frequently enough to, to beat some of these teams. And I'm just skeptical of that. Uh, And I, I do think it's interesting. I, I do think he's high variance, but, but Zimmer is going to try to limit that. And I think what the, the, the good end of variance and the bad end of variance, we've already seen the bad end. We need to start to, to compensate. We need the good end. And I hope Zimmer doesn't restrict him too much. The one thing that's interesting is if I think if you told me going into the season that, you know, what, what was our plan this offseason? It was aired out. Kirk. We said, um, you know, we want Kirk to throw it farther downfield. We want to see more play action. Kirk Cousins ranks so far top 10 in play action percentage dropbacks. Top 10 in, you know, average depth of target. And so if, if I had known that going in, I would have thought like, oh, perfect. That's, that's the Kirk Cousins I want. And, and based on what we've seen so far, especially last week, that, you know, that ain't it. So, um, it's interesting. I feel like, um, Kirk is doing a lot of the things that we want and it's just the, the results are, are bad. One thing I'll also say is, um, Kirk is sort of famous for not wanting to throw into tight coverage, which is generally a good idea because when you throw into tight coverage, bad things tend to happen. You know, passer rating into tight coverage is, if I'm remembering right, it's like mm-hmm. 60 or something. You know, you tend to throw a lot of picks if bad things happen. Um, but Kirk was throwing into tight coverage a lot last week, and I think that was just because mentally he knew, okay, I have to start taking some risks here. I have to play some hero ball if we're going to make lead this comeback and so it resulted in a lot of bad throws obviously the, the throw off the back foot to the corner of the end zone that was intercepted that was terrible um but also the the the, the deep shot to Thielen at the very end of the game the last drive the vikings had which should have been an intercepted but was dropped like plays like that so we're seeing a different version of kirk cousins than we saw last season for the most part and it's interesting because i Descriptively, it's it's what I would have wanted, but the results have been terrible. So I don't know what that's for me as an analyst. But. <laughs> yeah. So Eric and I, this you know, this I, I don't know if you've done this analysis yet for this season. Probably not. I don't know if we have it for seasons past. But with Kirk Cousins, I know one of the things that's brought up with him a lot is you know his clutch factor, or he doesn't do well in big moments, or things like this. But it seemed in this game that like mistakes kind of seemed to spiral for him, where he was just making a lot of really boneheaded type decisions like when you're when you grade when 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 pff looks at his is his throw by throw grading is he one that snaps back quickly from from poor decisions or poor or or turnover worthy plays or is he one where 
things can can kind of you know go down a path like we saw in, in game two on a frequent basis. I think game to game they're fairly correlated for players like him. And when, when we saw when we did this analysis a couple of years ago, they weren't correlated. And I hate to continue to bring him up, but they were not correlated for players like Bridgewater. Um, you know, Bridgewater was one of those players. Tom Brady was one of those players, basically whose grade the previous throw was uncorrelated with his grade on the su- on the subsequent throw. And there are other quarterbacks that sort of let things spiral too much. Um, you know, take take you know, and, and just to talk about Kirk Cousins' composition of his grade, like I looked through the first two weeks and we're looking at like negatively graded throw rates. There's only, f- you know, there's only three quarterbacks in the NFL who have a higher rate of negatively graded throws than Kirk. Uh, Kyler, Kyler Murray, Ben Roethlisberger, Cam Newton. Um, Deshaun Watson has the exact same percentage of negatively graded throws, but he has twice as many positively graded throws. And he has five times as many big time, our highest graded throws. And here's the thing that I think sums up Kirk the most, and this is what we saw last season. He was very good at limiting negatively graded throws last year. He had basically under 10%. Uh, he's at 18.9 now. 7% of his throws are ne- are are turnover worthy. An outsized number of his bad plays are really bad. And that's something that I wonder for him, you know, whether that it has a negative effect where you don't for for most quarterbacks the negatively graded throws are just like sailing an out route out of bounds or or throwing a, a pass at a player's feet or something like that or or get taking a pressure when he shouldn't. Uh for Kirk it's throwing it to the safety, you know, and and like to me like that's a that's a he's a very interesting case uh, in studying quarterback play. All right, well, uh, you know, uh, enough piling <laughs> not, on. Not to, be, not, to be neg- I, not to be negative. I, I feel I feel like we could probably do a full hour just talking about Kirk Cousins, but there was other things to talk about in this in in, in this game as well. And and really the big thing, like you said, there's a very little there's very little margin for error with the style of football the Vikings want to play. Want to play great defense, want to run the ball. Again, the running game was great. Dalvin Cook was great. Didn't matter in the end because starting the game out, we were down 21 nothing before you really could you know, blink an eye. So, I guess, Nick, starting with you here, from the perspective of Zimmer's defense, like what was going on to start this game? Like, why were things so bad out of the gates? Well, the very first play of the game, Rhodes mentioned this, I think, the post game. Um, one of the interviews that uh, Devonte they had this I think it was 36 yard play action throw to Devonte Adams. Uh, it was kind of a corner route, and I, I guess based on film, Adams had run like a post route in that that way before, and he kind of sold the post route and then broke off back. So you had both Harrison Smith, who I think was the the two high safety, and then Rhodes, who was also um, kind of in that zone, and they both they both followed the post, and then Adams just broke out and was wide open for the corner route. Um, so they had a really good game script, and obviously, anytime you go up twenty-one nothing in the beginning, uh, that that'll happen. But you know, they did a couple other things. That first touchdown was like a double screen where they faked it one way, and then when when they came back at it, it was Barr versus like three different blockers, and and Barr had no chance, so they just plowed plowed plow that one in for a touchdown. So they had a couple um, clever play designs, and you know, they're just such a that offensive line is so good, especially in run blocking. It's just like clearing space. Uh, with the outside zone and the zone blocking scheme. And then Aaron Jones is a great one cut running back. So they uh, were moving the chains really consistently. Um, and Rogers looked back to his, um, you know, I, it was one of his best games in a while, I think. So um, that all combined uh, combined for, you know, three touchdowns on their first three drives, which was uh, pretty scary because, you know, one quarter in and you're already down three touchdowns. But um, yeah, it was an impressive game script, I think, from LaFleur. 
But then after that, you saw, you know, Zimmer, this is kind of Zimmer's MO is he'll maybe screw up a little bit um, with uh, with their opening game script. But then after that, he kind of clamps down. And from that point on, Vikings didn't allow another point, which is, you know, that was that's a lot of credit to the defense who had some very good plays. I think the edge defenders, Griffin, had his best game in a while, gave David Bakhtiari one of his worst games in years. Um, Daniil Hunter was everywhere. Uh, he had a play. Everyone other than Xavier Rhodes, I think, in the secondary looked pretty good. Um, J. Ron Curse had a fantastic game and, you know, he had one bad, bad route when he was covering Devontae Adams one on one, but otherwise was coming up really big in the, in the pass game and the run game. So just a lot of, um, good talented players and then good defensive adjustments from Zimmer. Yeah. So Eric, uh, yeah, the Zimmer adjustments is something that we've come to expect, something we've come to rely on as Vikings fans. Um, obviously I would expect that those things are bared out in the numbers, but like, I guess maybe just speaking off the top of your head, like what can we do to maybe not need to go down so far to before we make adjustments? Like what are what are some things potentially that that we might be able to to do a better job of when we're we're preparing for these games where we don't necessarily need to wait till you know the end of the first quarter or halftime, like uh for Mike Zimmer to be able to figure it out. Because as it usually goes, second half we're great. You know, in this game after the first quarter, we were amazing on defense, but uh the slow start was was crazy, and that's something that has been really, you know, with Zimmer since he's been here. He often the, the team just starts slow until they can figure it out. Um, and I'm not sure. Do you have any ideas on what maybe we could do to not need to get punched so hard in the mouth before we decide that we want to come back and play? Yeah, it's unreal, right? Because and and it's not every game, right? Like the Falcons game, they came out and Anthony Barr got a sack on the first play, and you know they stopped the run a couple times and got some turnovers and blocked the punt. And so it's not every game, um, but it certainly is something where, you know, and, and it's hard, right? Because if your quarterback's Patrick Mahomes and you get behind 10 nothing against Oakland, your guy's just going to throw four touchdowns in the second quarter, right? Um, but, the, but the issue is, is like with them, you know, they, um, you know, they basically, you know, they have a quarterback who I don't want to have playing with the deficit, right? And, and so they do have to be better. And, and, you know, there, there has been explanations for this, like playing on grass is different for them. It takes them an adjustment or, you know, Xavier Rhodes is handsy early in the game. Uh, he settles down later in the game. Uh, guys like Everson Griffin need time to get into the flow. There's tons of explanations for it. All I'll say is that's a really good defense on uh, on balance. And it's really hard to find some signal in this idea that they play poorly in the early part of the game. But I will say when they lose, it is generally, you know, we look at the Rams game last season, you look at the Bills game last season, uh, you look and New England game, they they started out slow and then ended slow. But, you know, in the Saints game, they started out slow, you know, that it is always like sort of getting out of the gate there. And it might just be some of these teams, I think, punch above their weight class in the scripted plays offensively. And when it comes down to sort of playing straight up, Zimmer's just such a better coordinator than the guy in front of him. And I sort of see that with the floor. If you look at some, I tweeted out a picture of basically, you know, how teams did on scripted plays. Then you can see some of these teams like, you know, the Ravens have been amazing all year. But the Giants, for example, are averaging like half an expected point per run play on scripted plays uh, and have scored a touchdown their first two drives of both games. And then have petered out in both games. Brad Childers, historically, I think the first seven games of Childress's career, the Vikings scored on the first possession uh, of the game, even though they averaged like 12 points a game his first year because he was great at scripting and then terrible, you know, early. And I think 
Maybe there are some tells in Zimmer's defense where the other guy can script script it away for 15 plays and then peter out. Um, but in, in any event, it is frustrating if you're a Vikings fan. All right. Well, you, you mentioned the team uh, that we'll be seeing next. And, uh, you know, you, you, you're giving us some signs maybe for, uh, for some good news. There's some hope, you know, with quarterbacks throwing up four touchdowns in a quarter. So, Eric, the Raiders, I mean, they're not great, are they? Are they okay? Are they good? Derek Carr, Gruden, that whole mess. Uh, talk to me, man. What should we be expecting? What should we be looking for? How should we be matching up in this game that we play against the uh, the Raiders? Well, I think Derek Carr played terrifically on, on week one against a good Denver defense. He was very efficient throwing the ball uh, down the field to Tyrell Williams, uh, you know, underneath the Darren Waller. They, they had a good offense that game. Uh, the you know the rookie uh, Jacobs out of Alabama ran the ball hard. He ran the ball hard against Kansas City as well. Um, but Carr sort of self destructed in Week Two against Kansas City, and then the the defense, which was I thought very good against Joe Flacco and the Broncos, uh, came back down to earth against Pat Mahomes uh, and the Chiefs. I think the Vikings are somewhere between Joe Flacco's Broncos and Pat Mahomes Chiefs. Uh, you know, and, and I think there's some injuries in Oakland's defense. Uh, if I'm a betting man, I'm probably going to bet the over. I think the Vikings are gonna, really going to want to do things offensively this week uh, that are are efficient, and, and I think the Raiders are a little bit better, uh, you know, than the, uh, offensively than people give them credit for. The spread's about eight and a half. I think that's probably pretty fair. Um, you know, I think the the motto this week for the Vikings is going to be, you know, look back to Week Three last year. You were 17, 17 and a half point favorites against the Bills. You thought you had that game in the bag and they came and punched you in the mouth. Uh, don't let that happen this week. And I think if that's the case, I think the Vikings will do pretty well. I think they'll limit Carr and, and enough uh, to win the game fairly handily. Let us hope so. And Nick, what are your thoughts on this matchup? Where should the Vikings be looking to exploit things on both offense and defense as uh, they look to this matchup with the Raiders? Um, it's tough to say because I just I think the Raiders have one of the less talented personnels in football. I mean, just like across the board, their defensive line, their quarterback, their receivers are pretty awful. Um, you know, they traded away or they lost Antonio Brown. Um, they, they traded away Khalil Max. So this is just a very talent deprived roster. And then Derek Carr is their quarterback. You know, I guess when you have Kirk Cousins as your quarterback, you can't talk too much smack. But this is not a team that on talent alone. You would expect them to go very far. And then, um, you know, I don't think Gruden is the worst coach in the world, but I also don't think he's the kind of guy that would be a difference maker, especially against somebody who I think is a difference maker in Mike Zimmer. So, um, you know, football is a lot more random than we often make it out to be. So weird things can happen. And the Bills last year, week three, is obviously a perfect example here. But this is a very, very winnable game. And they could really attack it in all sorts of different ways. I, I probably what they'll do is they're they're really settling into that twenty one personnel. CJ Ham has had a pretty amazing back to back games blocking. Um, seems to be a really good fit for the outside zones concepts. So um, maybe they get their that that third linebacker out there and and the, the way they they do that twenty one personnel is they also put Diggs out wide and then Thielen in the slot. So that's kind of everybody is in uh, a position where they can do the most damage. Cook can wreak havoc all over the field. Diggs gets his one on one matchups, and then Thielen gets Thielen gets like a linebacker in the slot. So that's kind of uh, the way they've been been working it on offense. And I like that plan going forward. So maybe that's what we'll see. And are you like Eric predicting that uh, the Vikings should win this one fairly handily? 
Yeah. Yeah. I don't think this should be too stressful. I don't mean, I, I don't want to guarantee anything because crazy things going to happen. And, you know, there's maybe like a 20% chance that Oakland causes an upset, but, but as far as football goes, you should be pretty confident in this one. All right. That is what we like to hear. Gentlemen, we made it. We made it all the way through. We talked about the last game. No one called for Sean Mannion to play uh, actual real minutes for the uh, for the Vikings football team. Yeah, so good job. Good work. And I expect, like everyone else uh, on this podcast, that uh, we should bounce back. Kirk Cousins should shred this defense. And once again, all will be well in Vikings land. We will be on our way to the Super Bowl. We'll not lose <laughs> another game. And things will be happy once again in the land of Vikings Twitter. So before we get out of here, Eric, uh, you know, you are a very busy man this season. Podcasts coming out all the time. What should we be looking for? What do you have coming up? What are you working on that you're most proud of that you want people to uh, to go check well, out? Well, we've been doing we've had a partnership with uh, Amazon Web Services. We're talking about the uh, biggest movers of the week. I'm going to be writing a little bit about how the Saints fortunes have gone down a little bit. Uh, now that our guy Theo is the starting quarterback, um, even though I, I think that they'll still lie for a playoff spot, they go down a little bit. But uh, yeah, we have a podcast Thursday morning, which is now live on YouTube, uh, 10 Eastern. And then we have a podcast that we record right after the Sunday night game uh, that should be in your, you know, in your iTunes by Monday morning on your drive in. So that, you know, that's a lot of fun. Uh, just building, you know, working on building models for teams and stuff. Uh, you know, every day, and that's just a lot of fun. So it's been it's been an interesting season so far. Uh, you know, uh, I, it strikes me a lot like 2017, where some quarterbacks are hurt, and we're going to start to see maybe lower scoring games, defense matter a little bit more, uh, and I think that plays to the Vikings' strength, frankly. Boom! Look at all of this optimism from Eric. I love it. I love po- it. All positivity. the positivity, things Posi- playing positivity. into our hands. Just look at who the Vikings are playing. Like, like the schedule. This is like a, a nice little stretch, you know. Like at home versus the Raiders, and then versus Mitch Trubisky at Soldier Field. Grant Soldier Field, but it's it's Mitch Trubisky, and then Daniel Jones and the Giants, who we've always had their number. And then the Eagles are a good team, but that's at home. And then in Detroit, and then versus Washington. Like you get to, you get to a tougher stretch on the back end of the season, but those are all games that where the Vikings should be favored or at least close to favored. So. That's that's not a bad Super Bowl, stretch. baby. Super Bowl. <laughs> but before the Super, Super Bowl, Bowl home, uh, Nick, homeboy, are, are, are you all the way back? Like back, back, like John Wick back? Is there is there more stuff coming from you this week? <laughs> I'm trying, man. I'm trying. I uh, I had that piece last week about how the Vikings, and it's it's really amazing. They were such an awful team running the ball last year. And and through two games, small sample size, but granted how much they're running, it's it's not that small of a sample size. Dalvin Cook um, is like the second or third best running back by EPA per rush. And um, that is usually something that's often driven by the run blocking. But Cook is just doing fantastic things. So I, I dug up some of Kubiak's old playbooks and I, I looked at like what Stefanski is doing to, to put new wrinkles on top of it. And um, so that was my article about Dalvin Cook. I was pretty happy with how that one came out. I was thinking about looking into what specifically Zimmer did to adjust to the Packers in week two, but the all 22 has been funky. So that's not going to be dropping tomorrow. I don't think, but if it does, it it'll be maybe later this week. So we'll see how that goes, but yeah, I'm going to be trying to be writing. That's what we like learning, learning NFL scraper and R and everything. And 
Getting Boy, back he is it. all the way in. That is what we love. That's what we love to hear. You know, getting shout outs from PA and all that good stuff. Nick is big time and he is here for all of us to help <laughs> us time. get smarter about the foosball. Well, that is it. That is all. Listeners, thanks for sticking with us. Gentlemen, thanks for coming on. And uh, yeah, we will talk to you soon. Have a good one.